Oh, and hey guys, this is Jessica Rideau. I'm Ben's guest on Big Fat Five this week. Thanks for uh, listening. Am I supposed to say something like that? What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. As you heard, this week's guest is Jessica Bordeaux, aka Jaybird, with the handle Jaybird's Beats on Instagram. Link in the show notes. She's a former guest of the show before we switched to the current format, so I knew I had to get her back on. I'm confident you've seen her on either social media, Drumio, or Reverb.com, for whom she's sort of become the face of drumming. She's extremely powerful and plays with a conviction that is undeniably fun to both watch and listen to. Her creative, syncopated rhythms have caught the attention of the entire drumming community, and I'm very happy to call her a dear friend. She's a badass and a self-described hoot, and I'm going to leave it at that. You know her, you love her. Here's Jessica Bordeaux on the five records that shaped her into the now full-time drummer she is today. Cheers. Get in your drumming, and so I know that we've talked about this off the record, and you've probably exhaustively talked about this. But reverb a lot of people that might not know your name definitely know your face from the reverb. Um, so how did that come about that you became reverb's house drummer again? <laughs> so I actually had when I was in college, I knew I was in the school band, and I knew one of the guys that was in percussion with me went on to work for reverb. I believe he still does, but they had been doing a series for, you know, drum series where they were showing, you know, how to make your drum sound like, you know, John Bonhams or whoever, you know, whatever. That was the series they had been starting. And uh, he was doing them. He was kind of doing the drumming in those. And then at some point they were trying to branch out and start having some different drummers come in and do things. And at that point I'd been at it for a little while with all my social media stuff. And so he thought of me for one of the videos and, and again, yeah, at that point they were trying to bring in like a lot of different drummers, but, but after I went in, it just kind of became, they just kept calling me for stuff and yeah, it just stuck. We just all got along so well and it had so much fun that, you know, they kept calling me and I'm really grateful for that. So <laughs> What do you think it is? I mean, besides your drumming, there's obviously they could get a million drummers that are amazing. What do you think it is about you that they that they gravitated towards? If you could be if you could be not humble for a second. Okay. Well, if you want me to be not humble, I think it's obvious that I am a hoot. I think I'm a great <laughs> time. Uh, no, I I I think Wow, you went right there. I like it. Aside, I, I I'm a hoot. That's it. Um I I do think that it had a lot to do with uh, with our person, all of our personalities. You know, the the team there. We we had so much fun. You know, so I did the initial video where there actually wasn't 
any um, talking in the first video I did. It was how to sound like Travis Barker, which is we'll get into that. But that's coincidental. They didn't they didn't know that I was such a fan or, you know, so impacted by him. It was just the video that they just so happened to be doing and asked me to be a part of. So that one, it was uh, there was I wasn't hosting it. I was just doing the playing. And so I think after that one, I, I came up, you know, came into the studio extremely prepared and on time. And so that was a good start. And uh, and it just went very smoothly. And then uh, when I came in for the first one where it was more of um, I think it was five different snare drums for five different genres or something. When I came to do that, they the setup of reverb is there's people in the room, you know, filming with me, of course, even though you're only seeing me. And I was just talking like I would joke with them and I had no idea any of that would be cut into the finished product and so we were all getting along and laughing and stuff and then after that they ended up cutting all these like you know silly puns and and dad jokes into into the finished product and and that kind of became a thing I do think it was kind of the way that we were all joking and laughing and getting along it it kind of helped you know create more video opportunities because they liked that and i i i think they wanted that to continue and so i i do think mostly it was you know the way that things just kind of happened in the studio so naturally and it was just fun the energy in the video was fun and i i do believe that has uh played a part in why it's been going on for a few years now it just was a natural fit and they liked they liked my jokes. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just be yourself, people, and then yeah. it'll find its way in. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I definitely know you have a love for for Travis Barker. We had talked about that. So let's just get into your top five. But sure. yeah, I, the specifics of, 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 of exactly what it is, um, I don't know. So I'm, I'm excited to hear this. But mm-hmm. number one is from the album. It's the untitled Blink-182 record, usually just yeah. called the self-titled, um, from 2003, which was the last one before their big breakup, the last of the first batch of Mark, Tom, and Travis. The song's Violence, which I believe is track four. I love this record as well. Um, yeah. Full disclosure, I also am a huge Travis Barker fan. I don't think that's any uh, any secret. <laughs> uh, of course, Travis Barker. So let's just listen to a little bit of it, and then we can we can talk about it.
I mean, you can take so much away from that, but what exactly do you take from that? I, I, that intro feel, the hair, the, like, oh my gosh, it's just so, I think for, so that album in general, I could go through every single song and, and pinpoint a moment that I really love, but that particular intro is just so cool the way it built and there's just an energy and a creativity that he brings to the table on this record and in that song that have always stuck out to me so much and when i initially i what you will you know spoiler alert there's another blink album on this list but what? but the reason that i have this album that came out after take off your pants and jacket on the list. So I, I kind of go kind of went in order, but this album was, I think it was 2004. I was on vacation in Greece for like a month. And it actually my, I don't know if you remember those little like square, uh, like walk, they're not a Walkman. They took like a little floppy disc. I know they're like little mini discs. Um, yeah, yeah. What are those called? I don't even know. But it was a little floppy disc. Do they have like the little picture of the record on them too? Like the really small picture of it? This was more like you upload your music, you know, whatever you want on this little. Uh, I I'll have to find it, but it was like a, a trendier little Walkman MP3 player type thing. Uh, but I I had this. I think my brother maybe had put this album on on one of those. And anyway, so there was a lot of driving on this trip and I hadn't really dug into blink yet. I was pretty young in 2004. I was like 11 or 12 or something. And this album, I listened to it so much on that trip. I was gone for like a month and I just, it was kind of, I think if I'm remembering correctly, what started getting me into, you know, pop punk alternative genre. And so I just really dove in and then uh, the, all these, so all these parts and all these songs are super nostalgic in that way. Mm-hmm. And there's just everything on that album is there's so many grooves that are just so creative. I don't know. It's just so very Travis. I, I just can't even really put it into words. What, what was your level of drumming at that point? I mean, could you play a lot of that stuff on that record or was it so over your head? You're like, I don't even know what this is, but I just like it. <laughs> exactly yeah at that point i hadn't really been playing the drum set for very long at all because that would put me in i don't know whatever grade sixth grade seventh grade at that point and drums were very new and that was so everything i was hearing was so new to my ears and there's so many again just like feeling this and i miss you and like all these super iconic grooves on that album and that it was unlike anything I had really heard before. And it was what I wanted to sound like. And mm. that's what got me to like, so I did eventually after I started digging into even more blink songs, um, start to, that was like, he was the first drummer I wanted to sound like, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was a big deal for me. And, and his parts are so well thought out and so, uh, complimentary of whatever the guitars are doing, vocals are doing. There's so much thought put into his drumming and his parts. So that was definitely something I think at the time I didn't really realize what exactly I liked. I just thought it sounded crazy. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I, I just, it was very ear catching for me. And 
it was it was mostly that at the time that really caught my attention i just really hadn't heard drumming like that before yeah i'm a little older than you and i remember i was obsessed with blink since enema and i remember the it it almost felt like beatlemania for me because i grew up all my immediate friends were like skateboarders snowboarders blink you know basically blinks fan base and i i remember how crazy anticipated that album was and i heard like a, an excerpt of feeling this on like a promo for the the Madden football soundtrack when those oh, were huge. Yeah. I mean, back in the early 2000s, that was like if you got on the Madden playlist of the next game that came out, that was like kind of like a Tony Hawk Pro Skater kind of vibe. And I was so because it was a weird spot of feeling this. It was like just the guitar riff and the verse. And I was like, it kind of like you, I'd never heard anything like this before. And I'd listened to their stuff before, prior to that. But I'm like, what riff is this? What drum beat is that? Right. I still don't even know how to describe that drum beat. Not to take away from violence, because I love that pick. That, that hair to fill is awesome. But kind of like what you were saying, it's like you can pick any one of these songs and talk about it. But the drum beat and the verse of feeling this still blow. I don't know how to describe that to people. Right. It's just so good. I don't know. It's, it's so catchy just the part writing is so, so catchy and inventive and yeah, I, right. How do you describe it? It's just really good. Like that's, that's it. You know? Hey y'all. I wanted to, <laughs> I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum. And it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve Six tour, and I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye well, let's just go to number two, which is again also Travis Bark, and I believe you actually <laughs> you did this in your your reverb video, right? Yeah, you so dissected. I did. I did in the in the very first one, and I, I said to them, I would love to do a more in depth video about like pop punk drum sounds, different pop punk artists, and so we'll probably do that. But in that initial one, it was just kind of breaking down the general um, sound 
of his his drums on it wasn't like from a particular album it was more of the vibe just kind of his yeah if you're trying to get a cool pop punk drum sound you know that's those are some steps you could take but i I would love to do another one where we get really into it yeah so the album is take off your pants and jacket the release year is 2001 artist is of course blink 182 travis same drummer and the song is roller coaster um yeah all right here we go Such a Travis thing, the Dome ride to the, the hi hat. Yep. Yeah. Oh. The whole vibe of this song, it's just so. It just like it makes me feel so. I don't know. It makes me smile. Like it's just so good and so fun to listen to. And you know, a, a blink in general, right? Like you were saying, just like a simple guitar riff. Here's the thing about, I think they're like some of the best songwriters. How many, like the catchiest, like they have serious songs, they have goofy songs. They have, they're just so good at songwriting. And then I do think that some of the more um, simple guitar riffs, open up that space for the busier drum parts. And that's what makes it like glues them all together. Like they just fit so well, um, just their part writing all, all around. And yeah, that song, I think that's maybe the first, I could be wrong, but it's the first or one of the first songs I learned from blink. And, and it, it really, really helped me get better at the drum sitting down. And I would just like, try to break it down and and learn all the different sections and yeah learning that those grooves like made me feel like oh gosh so excited to just keep practicing more and breaking more things down and so i really did learn a lot about drumming through this album i mean all of blink but 
but learning this album in particular, because like I said, I was kind of going in reverse. Like I, I was listening to the self-titled track or album. And then I just started deep diving into all their other stuff. And, and, and learning that groove is, oh man, one of the best Blink songs just for nostalgia uh, for me. So yeah, really good. What do you, and I am, sh- I, I get this a lot when my, when I bring up, Travis and a bunch of my drumming or if I'm being honest non-drumming circles people definitely have their opinions on Travis what do you say to people that um, say Travis kind of started a endemic of drummers that overplay what's your view on people that would criticize because I think that's the biggest criticism of Travis is that everyone overplays because of that freaking guy (laughs) well for me Again, I didn't know much about the drums at all uh, when I first started listening to Blink and getting into music and and hearing him play was what made me think, gosh, that's so cool. Like, I love to sound like this guy. And to me, um, you know, overplaying or being too busy doesn't make you a bad drummer. And I think that the thing that makes you a good drummer is being able to if someone says hey try something like this you can play something more along the lines of what they like if someone gives me a a track and says can you write something for this i really listen to it and try and hear everything that's going on and write things that are complementing maybe even multiple parts of the track at a time you know and and listening to the vocal melody listening to everything and i try and make something that's not the obvious choice and that's what i think i've always enjoyed about travis is he just doesn't play the obvious thing. He takes time to make something a little cooler. But I think if you said to Travis, Hey, can you play something a little more simple here? He can do it. You know, So, so if people are playing a lot and overplaying or, you know, whatever, if that's what people are saying, that's their choice. Cause that's what they like to hear. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and some people, that's exactly what they want from them. There are many drummers they could hire instead if they don't like that. But I think Travis is capable of playing any way you want him to play. So I don't really agree that he caused an issue for the future, you know, future <laughs> drummers uh, because they tried to replicate what he was doing. Like, look at like Neil Peart was, I think, so such a fancy drummer and was similar where mm-hmm. he was playing things that were extremely detailed and changing the parts a lot as the song went and i don't know everyone thought he was awesome for it so it's interesting that anyone would hate on travis but i i totally don't think it's i mean i'd be kind of hating on myself if i said yeah it's an issue (laughs) because i totally try you know learn to kind of write from listening to him yeah, no, I definitely say most of my instincts when I'm playing to anything that is louder um, comes from Travis. He's he's my boy. Whether I listen to a lot of <laughs> his stuff uh, currently, um, that's up for debate. But uh, yeah, I mean, so much of what I play is from him as well. I don't hate on him either. So and his and you know, I know people probably say things about uh, his dynamics and stuff too. But when I listen to and we'll get more into you know, the other albums I listed, but his energy and the way he hits the kit. I love that personally. I love how he brings the sound out of the drums and Mm -hmm. it definitely had an impact on how I hit the drums. And again, 
if someone wants me to play softly, I'll do it. I can do it. But naturally I love the way it sounds when you, you know, get that rim shot on the snare or you're really, so it's all preference. Right. So I don't think there's nothing wrong with it either way. It's like play how you want to play and the right people will find you for the right gigs. (laughs) There you go. Let's, let's, let's bookend that topic right there. All right. So moving on from Travis, unfortunately, because I think you and me could probably riff on him all day. Yeah. Uh, Number three, the album is Riot, and the uh, release here is 2007. The artist is Paramore. The song choice is for a pessimist. I'm pretty optimistic. And yeah. it's uh, Zach Farrow, who was so incredibly young when he recorded this. Was he like 15? Oh, my 16? God. When they got signed, I think he was like 12 or something, for real. Yeah. He was so young. Um, for all we know, is falling. So he had to be, yeah, of course, like just a young teen when they did this album. So, yeah, very young. Yeah, all right. Well, this is this is the uh, the first track on the record. So, album opener right here. too like just the power the power in his playing like mm-hmm. i've always gravita- gravitated toward that style of drumming i just think it sounds so good oh like this right here oh so good God. yeah very dynamic for sure oh it's so good This band, oh my goodness. I can't get enough of Paramara. Through all their stages, all their different albums, they're just one of the best bands. So Zach and his brother, they're back in the band full time, right? Not his brother. Uh, oh, okay. Not Josh, but it's right now. I think just uh, Taylor, Zach, and Haley. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I could have picked so many songs off of that album, but I I hit that that intro song, and I, it just captures their essence on that entire album so perfectly. Like so many huge intros and the drumming is just so i don't even know what the word is just bombastic it's just huge and deep and he hits so hard and he 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 again i think he too is just such a great part writer and he really plays to the riffs to the vocal melodies that's of course something i've mentioned a few times now i just really love when it's it's the drums are not not just doing the most obvious thing because you could play things under those guitar riffs that are completely different and a little more straight ahead but hitting all the accents changing with all the changes in the chords it's just so good i don't know it's what a good drummer how old were you when this uh, came into your life i was probably 
maybe like a sophomore in high school or something. Okay, when so I pretty first... much when it when, when it came out, right? Yeah. Was I it's maybe you a little know later. The, the timeline is a little foggy. I I was it was I was probably like a, it, I was in high school. I think, but I feel also like I had known of Paramore prior to that, but high school, I know for certain is when I got super into Paramore and started listening to them a ton. And yeah, including like, you know, again, diving back into like, all I know is falling and everything. And just, that was when they first were on my radar, but incredible, incredible drumming, incredible part writing on, on that whole album. And just, again, the, it's just so powerful mm-hmm. the everything to the riffs the singing the just the whole thing but that drumming is just so in your face and i love it and it's pretty restrained too i mean his mm-hmm. he's obviously i don't want to say busy um but he he has a lot of parts obviously but still if you play along to it you can tell like when i do i want to put more bass drum things than he sure. does he actually is pretty much like Let's cut the fat. It's just the powerful beats and they're iconic. Um, they're riffs in and of themselves. But it's kind of like a very Dave Grohl thing where it's actually more yeah. reserved than you realize. Um, I think that's a good comparison. That that kind of power, that energy that that Dave has is similar for sure. And and yeah, maybe he's maybe Zach is almost comparing to like Travis's style. Travis, you know, he has it's it's a little more involved with uh you know, the 16th note stuff. And he does a lot of different rudimental, you know, kind of, he just has some parts that are pretty detailed. And I think Zach does is, yeah, yeah. And I think Zach has that as well, but a little not watered down because it still is incredibly detailed and awesome, but a little less going on maybe than, than Travis's stuff, but still just awesome and then it just continues on with you know like listening to decode and then they're you know like brand new eyes album and like all these awesome tracks and stuff but zach has definitely just this epic sound to his style that i've always really enjoyed and tried to model my playing after did you enjoy it maybe just differently but maybe as much there was it their self-titled record with like elon on it oh yeah oh my gosh self-titled yeah so good yeah and right totally different drummer but still has that same you know it's probably by design that they had someone who brought like because the riffs and everything on the self-titled album were still uh their style i'm not gonna say it changed on self-titled but there was like a it was definitely developing um and they had some i don't know some different sounds on there and but they still had like big powerful riffs and the drumming matched it on there too and it was elon did a really good job and i i love that record i love that record i mean i love paramore obviously i've said it 10 times already but i i seriously <laughs> can't get sick of them they're exactly what i want to hear you know everything they've ever put out it's so good all right so the next one number four is the used Release year is 2002, and the artist is, of course, The Used. It's a self-titled record, and the song choice is Greener Than Scenery, and and the drummer is Brandon Steineckert. Yeah, this this album represents a huge part of my childhood, too, which is the John Feldman production sound of of all that, of that era, because John's had a few different kind of eras. But anyways, let's maybe just listen to 
this record uh, or this song, and then we'll we'll go Whole from record, there. Beginning That's, to end. Let's I'm go. Sorry. Yeah, buckle up, guys. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he could have done the 6-8 thing. Right. See, that exactly. It's just not the obvious choice, and that's so creative. Because he kind of plays it as if it's like a 6-4. Yeah. And then when it finally opens up to this, you're like, this is okay. Because if you're not a musician, you're like, I don't know what's going on musically. And then you're like, oh, okay, it's this vibe. And this kind of reminds me of Travis a little bit. Like, oh, just like, so. Which just came out in 2002. I mean, yeah. I'm sure Brandon was influenced by Travis for sure. I mean, Travis was in this this genre of music. He was the dude. Ah, oh, so good. This whole album too, just Oh yeah. Taste of Ink. Box full of sharp objects. Yeah, just And this drum sound too. that snare that gives you that really good crack and like the big tom sound and just i think that this is just so i'm always gonna love this type of music like it's it's oh so good yeah i mean i know this is a big fat snare drum financially supported by big fat snare drum podcast (laughs) but but this snare drum when it comes to a feel of just Mm -hmm. like when i'm air drumming and I imagine the vibrations that a snare is giving back to me. It's these kind of snares are just like yeah. the most fun to play. Before we go on to number five, I do want to talk to you about African rhythms and perhaps, yeah. you know, working with um, with Earl Talbot. So do you want to mm-hmm. just maybe talk a little bit about that influence on you and how you brought that into? Because, I mean, Travis, great example. He brought a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff into pop punk that now we associate with things that drummers do in that genre. But... Most people weren't. So African rhythms, how are you bringing in that into what you do? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And, you know, that's so funny, too, because, again, this was challenging to think of these different albums and uh, how they shape me, because then eventually just all sorts. Of, I mean, I've had influences from a lot of other different types of music and so many different styles now at this point in my career. Um, you know, and this list was more about early on, in yeah. my formative years, you know, but, but yeah, definitely like now African rhythms, I feel like the way they've kind of shown themselves in my playing, well, first of all, they, they've opened up my coordination in a way that I never imagined. And I learned so many different grooves and types of grooves that I, it's just like, I do things with my ghost notes now. And I do things with, uh, you know, changing, uh, 
I'm able to like flow in and out of time signatures easier. And it's just, it's really changed my overall approach. And yeah, it's been really cool to incorporate all these earlier influences and see how they've kind of come together in my, my playing currently. So I do think that they've allowed me to write or learning, learning these grooves and rhythms has allowed me to write in ways that I wouldn't have even thought to before, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not some of the, some of the trying to find the best way to say this, some of the way, the ways that you have to play these grooves, it's just like you're, you would never naturally think of these things on your own. Like some of these, these exercises and rhythms that I've had, I've learned with Earl. So just through attempting them, it's like so different than anything you're ever just going to stumble into. So yeah, it's been really cool to, to kind of learn a lot of different styles through that. And then, yeah, bring it together with my pop punk stuff or alternative or whatever I'm, I'm playing. So it's had a big impact for sure. And sometimes it's conscious or not like the, the certain types of patterns, you know, will, will sneak their way into, into my playing, you know, and the way I'm able to digest more complex music now is definitely a, a result of my studies with Earl and the African rhythms. And yeah, super duper impactful with the way it has affected both my playing and just my understanding of music in general. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go to number five. And that is Disappear Here is the album name. The release year is 2016. The artist is Bad Sons. The song choice is Patience. And the drummer is Miles Morris. So let's just listen to a bit of that. I'm actually not familiar. This actually reminds me of a little bit faster but more current cars. Mmm, cool. I should dig into some more of the cars then. Yeah, the drums sound great in this. It's like sonically so good. Yeah, yeah. Both the actual drum tones and then the Miles style is just so like I I really really love his playing and Bad Sons are a newer influence for me, but over the last couple years I've just been so so into their music and 
you know, both Miles, he, he comes up with such, I think he definitely has achieved playing parts that are really tasteful and they could be fancy, but they're so, um, they just fit so well. And he's, he compliments the song so well, but he comes up with awesome, different, tasteful grooves. And then on top of it, I could just hit play on their whole discography and just sit there and listen and love every single song. I just, I can't get enough of the band and his style, like that little, that little intro groove, just like going to the cowbell or the mm-hmm. woodblock or whatever he's using for those, for that intro. It's just so, um, those little things just make the biggest difference. Yeah. And he, he could have played that groove 50 different ways, but it's just that little thing that just makes it, you know, a whole riff of its own. And that song is an awesome song, but there are many tracks that he just had that he just has so many moments that stand out and so many cool fills and, and interesting grooves. And then also just very straight ahead grooves. And that's what I love is the, the super like just does a super great job of supporting the band while adding his flavor in, you know, peppering it all in. And it just sounds so cool. I'm, I'm such a fan of, of him and the group. You could take, I think it's very cool when you could take all the music away from a song and just put the solo drum track out there and people who know nothing about music can easily identify the drum part. I think that's pretty difficult to do if you're, you know, not a musician or if you're, it's just like the, the parts that are written in these songs are just so they could stand alone. And Mm -hmm. I don't think, again, not everyone likes that. Some people want something that's more straightforward, but for me, I've, I love that when I hear something and, and I'm like, Oh, you know, it makes me want to turn up my stereo and, and just keep hitting replay to figure out what they were doing there just to hear it again. Cause it just sounds so cool. And so, yeah, for me, that style has always resonated and I just, yeah, I really appreciate that inventiveness, um, you know, in different drummers. So a good drummer is someone that can, take direction with that kind of stuff just mm. because that's that's my style i love to play that way i love to come up with fun creative parts but if i'm hired for something and someone says chill out and play something like this i will play it like that and mm-hmm. i you know and so so for me i do appreciate um that there's a time and place you know in my original projects where i have a lot of freedom with the drums and i'm able to write parts of my own that's generally how I like to play. But when it comes to a gig or a more professional situation, I'm going to do what's required of me, you know? So I like that you could, I think any one of the drummers that were listed um, on this list can turn it on and off, you know? Mm-hmm. And I really think that's what it's about to, to have a particular style that you love to play that inspired you to play in the first place, but then being able to adapt to each musical situation you're finding yourself in. And, and that's what, what makes a pro, you know, being able to, to do that. I've had many gigs now in situations where there's a lot of writing on the spot, you know, whether it was the, um, the HE band gig or like a lot of the work I do with uh, my friend, Rob Scallon, 
in the studio for his YouTube channel, a lot of it is I walk in having no idea what we're going to record that day. We write and then we release whatever we wrote that day <laughs> on YouTube or Spotify or whatever. A lot of other situations too. But I, I think that through those experiences, I've, I've gotten so much better at playing what comes to mind, receiving feedback, and changing it, you know, and that's really fun for me. Cause sometimes they're going to like what you did and, and be like, Oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. That's a cool part. Keep doing that. Or sometimes they're going to say, Hey, that's cool, but pull back in this spot, this spot or this spot. And yeah, you just do it. And, and so that's been really good experience for me to have to change parts very quickly or right on the spot. Again, you do what comes naturally and then you take direction from there. And that's, good way to to keep a gig (laughs) (laughs) yeah amen to that well speaking of gigs i want you to be able to talk about where people can find you uh meaning like live because you're obviously playing more drums how can people see you uh do your thing yeah so of course you could still see me and find me on the on the web i'm Mm -hmm. always posting on instagram and i i anticipate i'll be posting a lot more on social media so jaybird's beats or jessica burdell you could search me up on uh instagram youtube all that good stuff and then i'll also be posting about live performances on those platforms as well i anticipate i'll be doing a lot of touring i've got a couple different bands plus some other projects that are probably going to be um, having me travel around and, and playing shows. So just search me up and keep your keep your eyes peeled. I'll be <laughs> putting stuff out there. So I hope to see some people at some shows. But otherwise, lots of content coming your way. Hell yeah. Well, you are a hoot. I will now confirm that <laughs> second time. And You're ho- a hoot too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, all right. Well, I will let you go, Jessica. But um, let's just pretend there's, there's music fading in right now yeah (laughs) i will talk to you later i'm gonna go make some food but i'm glad you're well and uh yeah i'll talk to you soon always great talking to you ben thanks for having me enjoy your food i will (laughs) talk to you soon all right see ya Bye. bye and that's the show if you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews do that It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum, and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye!